American Hammers Radio with Tex and Liam from the Fresno Irons. Hello and welcome into another edition of the Bearded Bastards Radio here on American Hammers Network. This is episode 11. This is Tex back finally joined again with the one, the only, the man, the myth, the legend, the one who has the sweet, subtle sounds that'll put your wife into that jittery state. Let's give it up for Mr. Liam Bright. How are you this evening, Liam? Oh, just doing dandy. Glad glad to be back uh, back embarrassing ourselves on public radio. <laughs> <laughs> public radio? Yeah, right. I think it's uh, people have to choose to listen to it, radio. Right. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if this was being blared directly into people's vehicles as they drove around? And not by their own volition, like it just automatically went in. <laughs> That would be awesome. Means we're probably doing something right. right. We do a lot wrong. <laughs> but then again, the way this world is working, maybe we can do wrong things and we'll still be famous. I mean, people got famous, you know, punching themselves in the nuts. We could try that, Liam. That's true. That's true. If we had any nuts left, but they have been sucked up into our bodies at this point. <laughs> it is cold in here. It is cold in here. That's always my excuse, even in the heat. <laughs> That's true. I'm a shower, not a grower. <laughs> it might be an inch, but it's an angry inch. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Oh, man. So uh, thank you for putting up for our uh, shitty dad jokes. Even though only one of us is a dad, I uh, don't even have a dog to call my son. Oh, uh, it is what this it is, is. This is where I do the audio where it's like audience groaning. Like, oh, <laughs> the World Cup is finally over, Liam. And the month and a half long hiatus of no Premier League football will be coming to an end on December 26th when the Premier League starts back off. Our beloved West Ham United. Don't get an easy run as they start off against, um, I believe, a league-leading Arsenal. Yeah. Is that correct? The top-of-the-table Arsenal? By five points at that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, let's uh, let's just go ahead and kick this season back off with the best team in the Premier League. Way to go, uh, Premier League schedule makers. It's already with a team that's struggling into the bottom, what are we, 16th? 17th yeah 16th sitting right now uh only one point above relegation (laughs) yeah well familiar territory for most west ham united fans over the past 10 years so you know the thing is you know hey like uh 17th i mean 16th or higher and you know hey we're almost job done you know, yeah, that's right. Let's that's right. get to 40 points, right? 42 yeah. points, 40, 40 <laughs> points. Although the, the only team to ever be relegated with more than 40 points in Premier League history is West, West Ham United. United. That's right. So uh, if anybody's going to make it uh, hard on themselves, it will be us. Um, but, you know, West Ham was very well represented at this World Cup in Qatar. Qatar. Um, so uh, let, let's go through this. Um, first off, um, cheers to uh, Naif Aguerd, is that how yeah. we say his name? Yeah, Naif Aguerd. Naif Aguerd. See, uh, you know, t- typical ignorant Texan can't say shit, right? <laughs> um, but Monaco, um, first African nation, I believe, to ever make the semifinals. Quarterfinal as well. So this wow. is the first time they made, an African nation ever made the quarterfinal, and then they went on to make the semifinal and basically fucked everybody's uh, uh, World Cup uh, brackets because I don't think, and even if you're a Moroccan, you did not have Morocco making it that far. But that was incredibly impressive. Uh, hats off. I would pilfer half of that starting lineup for West Ham United because they were amazing on the I, I forgot they had Zayish uh, or uh, oh, Ziyech. Uh, yeah, Ziyech and yeah. then uh, uh, Edna Siri as well, who we had been linked with previously as a as an incredible run and to that we say yes that is the sound of the bearded bastards once again cracking the bourbon bottle um as we get this started and uh brought us a lovely uh christmas gift bourbon yeah. uh you know called uh bullet bourbon first off um bullet bourbon a little offensive this this whiskey's probably going to get canceled let's be 100 percent honest uh bullet bourbon for those of you that don't know is a kentucky straight bourbon um very very good and soft and subtle on the lips i'm gonna go ahead and pour myself a glass while i'm doing that liam why don't you tell us about your thoughts on this player um how about a guy who made it all the way to the final mr alfonso Ariola, who didn't really even play but you know yeah. we we're glad that he was there hey man it's it it, if the if the bus crosses the finish line and you're sitting in the back seat, you still got to cross the finish line, my friend. I mean, it still counts. So, you know, I think that uh, had he been in goal on uh, in that last match, 
I think that France would have stood a better chance because what happens when you put a Spurs player in between the sticks? He's going to go all Spursy. Because guess what? When you put a Spurs player on the penalty spot, what happens? He goes all Spursy, and that ball is still traveling and will someday land more than likely here in America. So, you know, uh, for me, I would have loved to have seen Areola actually make it on on the uh, on the pitch, but. Hey man, second place finish four years ago. You actually won the World Cup. Why not? I mean, you're still part of the team. Team wins that you. It's a team sport, so you still get to hold the trophy. I Alfonso Ariola. This is the thing I'm going to say. Congratulations to France for making it uh, to the World Cup final. Just that in itself is a great accomplishment. Um, you're at worst the second best team in the world. Yeah. Um, this is my thing with Alfonso's Ariola. We don't really know how great he is because everywhere he goes, he's like second choice. Yeah. The only time he's ever, you know, second choice at PSG was on loan at Fulham, led the league in saves, I believe, at Fulham. But then again, you're at Fulham, Fulham yeah. who faces more shots than anybody because they're such a porous club. And then you flip that around. He comes over to West Ham United. A lot of talk about, hey, he's the better keeper. And then Lucas Fabianski goes on a tear and ends up being arguably one of the better Premier League goalkeepers in the year that we acquire him. Fabianski doesn't really seem to be slowing down on his Premier League form, even though he has retired from international play in Poland. And it's it's just tough. I mean, you know, and he's, he's behind Lloris. And Lloris is a good keeper. Uh, you know, he makes poor decisions in life. That's why he plays for Tottenham. <laughs> doesn't mean that he's a bad keeper. So I... I feel I feel for the guy because I know he would have loved to have been in there and I would have loved to see what he could do because there's a lot of talk about how good he is at stopping penalties. Yeah. Um, but then again, you know, we have a guy on our team who shot, I think, stopped seven of nine last year. Yeah. I mean, that's nice. an incredible feat for uh, Lucas Fabianski. So congratulations to Ariel in France. Um, moving on, you know, our new talisman, Lucas Paqueta, Brazil, very disappointing showing, but I mm-hmm. thought Paqueta was very, very good yeah. in this thing. Um, I I was a little it seemed like he had a, a Garrett Southgate style manager and he was he kept getting subbed off early. Yeah. He was and I, I didn't was, like that too much. He was typically one of the first to be subbed off, but by that same token, Brazil had an incredibly deep bench. Like every player that was brought on was a name that you knew. There was never a time where they were bringing somebody on past that starting 11 that you were like, oh, I don't, I'm not familiar with this player. Everybody was a known quantity for Brazil. And I think that, I think you hit it on the head. I think it was a very poor showing for them. Uh, I, I had them pegged to go to the final. I thought that this Brazilian squad was young, hungry, talented. I absolutely had them going all the way. Um, like we said, this was a very topsy-turvy World Cup, and you had teams that you probably would. I mean, I never think Croatia is going to go as far as they do. And, I mean, think about it. Four years ago, they were in the final against France. So I think sometimes we, pardon me, we discount teams just because it's not, they're not the flash-in-the-pan teams. I think everybody goes into these tournaments thinking, oh, it's coming home, England's going to take the whole thing, and England does what England does, and they fucking crash and burn. So, I mean, it's just, it, it, for for me, it was interesting to see a final that was France and um, Argentina, because I, at a first glance, they probably, neither of them would have been my first pick to go in, especially after the showing in the group stages. Neither, neither one of them were were hot hands, let's say. I mean, you saw a lot of teams lose a match against a team that you never would have seen them losing against. Yeah, it's it was puzzling and concerning um, for Brazil because when you have a team that talented with that much depth and that much ability and you that's your showing you have now don't get me wrong like you said Croatia is what you know Croatia has done this before they're a very good team they're very uh, they're very seasoned. They have a lot of really good veterans on that team. Obviously, Luka Modric is the leader yeah. of that side. Um, but, you know, it, it's disappointing because every year it, it feels like when we talk about it, it should be Brazil and England in the final. Right. Like, that's what everybody, that you know, if if the World Cup was run like college football rankings, 
then it wouldn't matter how they performed. They would play in the championship game. Right. Because that's the people, what people want to see is England, Brazil. Yeah. Um, because, you know, where football was founded versus the country that seems to have perfected it in Brazil. <laughs> um, it's just, it's, it's concerning. And looking at another team that was another disappointing showing was the Germans. Yeah. And, you know, Kara, one of our, um, one of our technically right backs, but we like to play him at center back. <laughs> Um, that was a very disappointing showing for Germany. I was very shocked at how poor they played. Well, this is two World Cups in a row now where they haven't made it out of the group stage. So how do you go from being World Cup champions in 2014, decimating Brazil on the way to the final, and then not making out of your group stages twice with the level of talent? And the only explanation I have for this is I, I feel like Germany very much is in a transitional period where you still have some of the older generation that's hanging on and you have some of the younger generation, your Tilo Kuras that are coming up through and you haven't found a way to properly blend the two of them. I feel like that was the issue the United States had in the world cup qualifiers leading up to 2018. And it was almost good that they didn't make the 2018 world cup because you got to wipe the slate clean and you basically started fresh with a very young, hungry group of individuals. I think countries like Germany, are going to have to do the same thing. Japan, look how far Japan made it. But it's because they've really implemented a lot of their younger, hungrier players, knowing that, hey, maybe we don't make it as far as we want to. They they overperformed. Let's be honest. They overperformed in this World Cup. But this is also a country that is now on the come up that you can see in four more years, all of these guys are going to be more seasoned, more talented. Japan is absolutely going to be a force to be reckoned with in four years. I think Brazil... If they can, I think Brazil, if they can figure out how to operate more as a unit, because when they did, all, when they were working together, they were fantastic. But when they ended up being a bunch of individual showboaters, that's when it started to fall all apart. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, we, we, this World Cup was topsy turvy just because of the teams that did make some noise. I think a lot of people thought the traditional powers would be there and then some For of the sure. traditional. Traditional powers got pushed out, i.e. Germany being one of those teams. Didn't really get to see a ton of Karah yeah. in this. Um, so I was a little disappointed for him, but hopefully if he had any nagging injuries, he got some really good rest. Right. Um, then that brings us to a West Ham player who has been very polarizing for um, West Ham United, and he's probably not going to be a West Ham player much longer. believe there is a deal in place that it was a loan with the agreement to buy or option to buy yeah. one of the two. And that's Nikola Vlasic for Croatia. Croatia. Yeah. And he was their super sub. Yeah. Didn't start, came on, scored a goal in the group stage. Um, was pretty impactful when he did come on, even in the knockout rounds, just being a pest causing a problem. And it begs the question, did West Ham United not utilize him correctly or, did West Ham United really have a player that just wasn't good enough for the current squad? Because you just kind of look at Velasic, and I tend to think on the latter there, I don't think he was good enough for what we were trying to do. And no offense, but when you get into the World Cup play, like I'm not, I'm not in no way, shape, or form trying to say that World Cup football isn't brilliant and fun to watch, but in the Premier League, like, you can pick and choose your team, not just your countrymen. Yeah. And so it kind of looks to me like Velasic, every country has some soft spots, right? And Velasic took advantage of a few of those things. He is that guy that would do really well at a club like Wolverhampton Wanderers or some club that's a mid-level team. But any team that's trying to push for the top of the table, he doesn't. But I, w I was happy to see him perform well, but I know that his days are numbered in a West Ham shirt. I, I would agree with that. I think that a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. I think that we didn't utilize him to his best potential. Um, we were typically playing him out on the left wing. I think he needed to be utilized more as a central attacking midfielder or a false nine, uh, which is basically the way that he's utilized in the Croatian national team. I, I'd agree. I think deploying him in a, in a team like Wolves, or actually I was thinking Crystal Palace. You know what I mean? <laughs> perfect. Perfect, because... Yeah. Yeah, he would score goals and goals against West Ham United. 100%. And they are very much like the West Ham B squad. Like, every time we're done with a player, they are the sloppy seconds of West Ham United. That's 
to me, that's Tompkins, what a hundred percent like that. I mean, uh, Andrew, I Andre, I use shitty, worse, younger brother, Jordan. You know what I mean? Like you've got these, scores on us on a regular basis. On a fucking, I hate him though. So much. Um, yeah. So I, I think that, uh, he is one of those players, though, that I think performs better for the national team, like whether it's a sense of pride or whatever the reasoning behind it is. But I feel like anytime I've seen him in an international match, he has performed head and shoulders above what we typically see him perform at club level. And obviously, I've really only seen highlight reels from when he was over in Moscow or whatever. And then obviously what we've seen him perform with West Ham. I think that he did try. I just think he couldn't find the the form that we would have needed for him to be a regular player. He was never going to be a starter, but to be one of the first names to come in off the bench, he just he was never going to com- be able to compete with with names like Manuel and Zini. You know what I mean? And and now having guys like Flynn Downs, uh, Emerson Palmieri, like you've got better talent you can bring in. Vlasic, even if we were to keep him on. Uh, our squad, I I don't think he would see any playing time. It would have been like crawl all over. Yeah, and he he was going to be forced into accepting a role kind of like a Robert Snodgrass. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't think that's something that he wants. And, you know, I, it was very obvious he needed to play. He wanted to make the Croatian national team. He did make the Croatian national team. The Croatians did a phenomenal job in this World Cup with how far they went. Um, yet again, they are just a dangerous side and they just proved to be a pest for a lot of people. Um, but that brings us to the captain, our captain, Declan Rice and his performance in this world cup, which I'm going to go ahead and say this. Now I watched every England game yeah, and I will tell you that Declan Rice, I think proved to the world that he is the best CDM in the world. Yeah. And it was fun to watch Garrett Southgate finally understood I'm not going to pull off Declan Rice for Jordan fucking Henderson, which he was doing in the Euros, which was a fucking ridiculous. I still believe England loses that final because they pulled Declan Rice off in the 70th minute and they start losing the battles in the midfield. Yep, 100%. And, and so that's, to me, where the problem really comes in. And so I, I think Declan proved how good he really is. And I was really excited for him and the performance that he had. Um, I was disappointed where where England went out. I think I didn't really think they would win it, but I would have liked to have seen a better showing because I wanted Declan to get more opportunities. Yeah, to prove what he is. Um, so I was I was very excited for that. How would you rate his performance in the World Cup? Yeah, I thought I thought that England did fantastic. I mean, kicking off that that first match over. Um, Iraq, or sorry, Iran with a, like a six-two beat down, like that was that was crazy. Um, they struggled against the United States. You could see that uh, Declan, as a single pivot with two attacking midfielders, that really did not pull back into a lot of defensive duty, um, was a bit overwhelmed with what the United States played as that. Um, that midfield three of of Adams, McKenney, and uh, uh, Yusuf Musa, because all three of them are box to box, whereas Declan is more of a defensive midfielder. And then you had at some points Mason Mount. Sometimes mo- most of the time it was Jude Bellingham. Sometimes Mason Mount. Sometimes it was Jordan Henderson. When once they got into like knockout rounds, which I thought was a terrible decision on Southgate's part because. One, I don't think Jordan Henderson is that good of a player. And two, it shows your opposition you're trying to go more defensively minded. And Jordan has a tendency to flare out to the wings, which was leaving Declan very isolated, uh, which is where France thrived because if you're having Jordan fly out to the wing, there's no way he's going to keep up with the wingers that France has. I mean, nobody's keeping up with Mbappe. Like, there's just nobody that could do that. So I I thought that... uh, I thought in the group stage, England looked great. I think that they made it harder on themselves than they needed to. That's uh, typical England. It, yeah, especially the game against Wales was just bizarre. Um, but once they got into like knockout rounds, I I was pretty certain they were going to go decent, but it was going to hinge on how well France played. Once it was very apparent that they were going to have to face off against France, then at that point, you're kind of like, uh, I just... England is incredibly talented. 
France is a completely different beast. And I, I just, I, I didn't see England getting out of that game unless everybody was on point. And yeah, I was picking on Harry Kane earlier and he did sink one of the penalties, but both their goals essentially are having to come from spot kicks. So you're not actually scoring from the run of play, which to me showed the deficiencies that England had. You, Yeah, they can score goals at will against lower competition, but you put them on par with the best in the world, England struggles. Well, one player that made himself a lot of money in this World Cup is Drew Bellingham. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. he is, uh, he, he's made himself a lot of money, and somebody's going to be very lucky to get that player, especially at his age and what he was able to do. Was, he the, only, was he the only player in like that starting 11 that wasn't a Premier League player? Because he's in yep. Germany, right? But all the other 10 were all Premier League players, which to me yep. is insane. Yeah, it's it's um, Drew Bellingham made himself a lot of money. Yeah. Um, in that World Cup, he is going to come out as the biggest winner in that. Mm-hmm. Um, we all knew Mbappe was good. We know what Messi is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know those guys are proven commodities. Bellingham was probably that player that kind of showed. And I think there's a few Americans like Weston McKinney. Oh, that yeah. that may that may make some serious noise. Uh, t- um, Tyler Adams over there at Leeds. But he'll get picked up by a bigger club. Yep. Yusuf Musa. Um, I want to say he's at like Galatasaray or something. Like, yeah, Yusuf Musa, we're very lucky to have. He's an technically an England, England international, international. Yep. that has some American heritage. So is uh uh Jedi uh Anthony Robinson. Jedi Robinson's also uh English born, grew up going through like the Everton Academy. I was reading like his whole little Wikipedia page and stuff. But yeah, he chose obviously chose America over over England. So well, just FYI, the fact that you use Wikipedia as a credible source as an English oh, yeah. teacher is very is very frustrating. Well, what should be frustrating. more frustrating is now kids can just use AI programs to write their history papers or English <laughs> papers. So I think that's far more. You'd <sighs> you'd be praying for them to go back to Wikipedia. But yeah, I thought I thought Jude was was fantastic. I thought that it was surprising to me that he hadn't turned heads prior to this competition, but I think he is absolutely one of the, the, one of the, the bigger beneficiaries of having a strong performance, regardless of when England went out. Well, during that whole world cup, and let's go ahead and cheers it right now to the world cup and congratulations to Messi and Argentina. Hmm. That's smooth and nice. Um, But, you know, congratulations to Argentina. Glad to see the West Ham United players did perform well. Mm -hmm. But while that was going on, our our beloved Irons were um, playing some friendlies. Um, Played a game against Cambridge, lower level side. Played Udinese, an Italian side. And then played a Premier League team, a yo-yo club, as you have uh, coined the, the phrase, in Fulham. Um, through those matches, West Ham had, uh, I believe, was it two wins and a draw? Yeah, yeah. 4-2 four, four, over Cambridge, 3-1 over Udinese, and then 1-1 one, one draw against Fulham. Yeah, and uh, the only concerning thing that really kind of happened is Gianluca Scamacca did go down in that Fulham game. Looks like this injury might keep him out for an extended period of time. Hopefully not too long. But for the first time, we can constantly say this. We are normally so reliant on Mikel Antonio that we had nobody else. Well, now, Mickey, you got the run of play up front, and we know what he's capable of. And when Mickey gets minutes, Mickey makes goals. Yeah. And so it's uh, – I, I don't worry too much about that. I, I think, you know, the fact that we have Mikel Antonio, who is a proven commodity for us, who the team is very comfortable with leading the line. I think that'll be okay. I think it is to note that Issa Diop was the one that clattered in to Jean-Lucas Kamaka. Yeah. Um, former West Ham average player. Yeah. I mean, he, literally he was only pulled into the starting 11 when everybody ahead of him was injured. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And he was, he was one of those players like in typical West Ham fashion, that was always going to be responsible for like one brilliant play, whether it was a defensive play or a long ball over to the top, and then one boneheaded error that was going to cost us a goal. Or the run he made against Tottenham, and then three a couple minutes later, totally missed a guy, and we're lucky he hit it wide. Oh, my gosh. So, um, 
So what is your overall assessment of West Ham United in these three friendlies that they have played in this lead up to the Premier League starting back up on December 26th and West Ham will be heading to the Emirates. So leading into this Emirates game, how do you feel about the way West Ham and David Moyes are operating? I mean, I think David Moyes still maintains a very positive disposition. Uh, injuries aside, because we we won't really know until they announce starting lineup who uh, who will actually be playing. I mean, obviously, there's a potential Skamaka will be off. It looks like Zuma's probably going to be out for an extended period. Um, Aguirre, depending on how severe his injury might have been from the World Cup. Uh, Maxwell Cornet doesn't seem to, I mean, he didn't feature in any of those friendlies. So, I mean, apparently he's still on the mend. So there is, uh, there is some concern, uh, just in terms of, uh, squad depth, which is something I think we've suffered from for at least the last two seasons. But I think that, that David Moyes has, uh, he has a lot of faith in his players. And I think we do, obviously at, at this point we are going into end of December, but remember once January kicks in, Mark Noble goes into his role as sporting director. And I think that Mark Noble will play a huge role in getting, in helping get players motivated. And I think also identifying talent and getting them on board with the West Ham way and, and, and how we operate as a club. Uh, I think Arsenal, regardless of where they were sitting on the table away was always going to be a difficult match. I mean, that's not one that I ever go into with like a whole lack of a lot of confidence. Uh, so with this one, I'd almost prefer it happens now and we get it out of the way. Like, yeah, it sucks that we're, we've had three loss, losses on the bounce. I mean, four losses in our last five. So I don't want to kick off our return from World Cup with another loss. But once we get that one out of the way, then we can go on a tear and we can kind of move past this one. For you, I know that you have a special love in your heart for Arsenal. Oh, fuck those guys. <laughs> kind of, where where's your head at with this one? Well, I mean... <sighs> I'll back up and I'll say this about the friendlies. And I, I have purposely not watched any of the friendlies. And the reason why is because I am disgusted with the way West Ham United have played. I don't like the way that we went into this World Cup break. I am on the I I am on the Moyes out train. Yeah. And and I, you know, I, I haven't hidden that. Um, I know that anytime you remove a manager, it's always very troubling for the club. You get the new manager boost for like a couple weeks, but then the reality tends to set back in. Um, I'm just very frustrated with West Ham United and, and, and no offense, you know, Cambridge, lower level side, Udinese, the Italian side, no offense. The Italians don't play the style of game that's played in the premier league. I don't really know what you gain from that. Fulham is a yo-yo club. It's a bet to me. It's the best of the friendlies that we could have played yeah. because that's how you're going to do. But again, that's a team that you should dominate. And that's the one game of the three that we drew. Um, so looking at West Ham United going into this Arsenal match and after all this, I, I don't really give a shit what we've done in the friendlies. What I care about is if David Moyes, have you done what you need to do to get this team motivated? Cause here's the reality of the situation. You have to get a result against Arsenal. Yeah. You've put yourself in a position where even though this is the team at the top of the table, with arguably England's one of England's best players leading their line in Saka, and they're going to be ready to go. They have a tactician manager who can make things very difficult on people. West Ham United have so much riding on this season, and one of those things that's riding on it is continued Europe play. You're in 16th place right now. You have so much ground that you need to make up that you have to win some of these games against these quote-unquote big six clubs, and you can't back down. You can't play defensive. You can't – if we come out of that game and we're negative in our approach and we're soaking up pressure trying to just counter and we're not taking the game to Arsenal, it's going to frustrate me. And I just don't necessarily believe that David Moyes has the huevos right now to do that. And – um. I'm just in a position where, you know, let's we mentioned this, but Skamaka looks to not going to be able to go, and he's, he's probably going to be out for a little bit. Kurt Zuma had knee surgery, probably not. Agard say, I mean, Agard got injured 
in the Premier League, I mean, in the World Cup, again, he re-aggravated that ankle, it looks like. It was the, it was the other ankle, which is oh. almost more worrying because now that's two ankle injuries sustained in the same year. And so the fact that we may not have him when we've been begging to get him and, you know, it, it, it seemed for a while that he was the missing piece yeah. for what Moyes is trying to do, this athletic center back that can give us that back three and the coverage that we need. And better distribution. And so now these players, again, were in the same boat. Now, the Garrett injury, it is what it is. You're representing your nation. You're going to play. That's a risk that I'm willing to accept as a West Ham United um, supporter. But Moyes... What the fuck, man? Like, <laughs> I, I just don't understand what you're doing. You've been given everything. You've proven to the to the club and the board over two years what you're capable of. And in the year that the, the board goes, we're not going to doubt you anymore, bro. What do you need? Yeah. And they give you everything, and this is the performance we get in return? You're almost better when we – like, he's the type of chef that I give him $20 to go to the fucking market – He's going to cook a world-class meal, but if I give him $3,000, he's going to fuck it up. He's going to give you toast and cereal. Yeah, and I, I just <laughs> I don't understand what, what the issue is right now. It's almost that he works better in an environment where he's given less, but when he's given full support of a club and the club the size of West Ham United, who, yes, we want West Ham to be one of the biggest clubs, not in the Premier League, but the world. Yeah. And this is the performances we get, so... Reality is, do I feel good, you know, about West Ham United um, coming into these friendlies and moving into the December 26th game at the Emirates um, against Arsenal, the team that's leading the Premier League by five points over, quote-unquote, Manchester City, who's viewed as probably the best club in the world right now? Yeah. No, I don't fucking feel good at all. And I, I don't believe West Ham United will be ready for this match. And it's it's concerning. Well, and it's it's interesting too, right? Because when you think about when he was having to operate on a shoestring budget, a lot of the players that were brought in were not displacing players that were already in the starting eleven. I think Kurt Zuma, Vladimir Sufal, those would probably be your exceptions, right? The season before that, Thomas Suchek, um, and uh, Jared Bowen. You know, these are the guys that are being that were being brought in that then we're able to start taking starting positions. But when you look at with this new crop of players, he was relying on a lot of them coming in and taking those starting 11 positions, and they just haven't acclimated. I think it would be different if you were pilfering players from other Premier League clubs and they were already used to this league and the way that it operated. But you're pulling, pardon me, Jean-Luc Scamacca from Italy. You're pulling Lucas Paqueta from France. Like, you're not pulling these players in and the ones that you did like Maxwell Cornet immediately get injured and then you're not able to operate them. But think about the way that he was operating. Think about that Chelsea match. Man on fire. So if you have somebody like a Maxwell Cornet, Maxi Cornet that can, can continue to stay healthy and perform, I think we see a different place in the table for West Ham. I think... To Moise's point, and he said this in multiple interviews, those first several matches, he was basically operating with one first-choice center back. You're playing like this hybrid back line with Ben Johnson having to play center back, which he hadn't played since the academy level. He's played either a left back or a right back. He's not suited for a center back position. So, of course, other teams are immediately going to target that weak link. I have not seen us play against another team that has had suffered as many injuries or has had to, had to compete with not placing their first team players when coming up against us. So yeah, you've got other teams that are able to function in the way their game plan was initially constructed and West Ham has not been able to do that. So yeah, I think I would say that my, my faith in Moyes getting European placement is definitely shaken. It's not an impossibility. We're only halfway through the season. The fucking world could spin on its on its head. We have no idea. I mean, we're eight points off sixth right now. We are 15 points off fourth. I do not think champions league is an, is a oper is an option at this point, but we can absolutely still finish fifth or sixth. I don't think that those places are so far off that stringing together a couple of wins, albeit you have to have some of the people at the top get knocked off their pedestal, but you've got a lot of people coming back from the world cup 
that are going to be exhausted. And a lot of those players feature on teams that are at the top. But that's the thing. We can control some of those teams getting knocked off at the top, and we have to start doing it. 100%. I agree with that 100%. And so uh, that's my thing. I, I, I don't like hoping for other things to happen. I think West Ham need to control their destiny here. And I mentioned earlier, and I want to get into this, because this has become a hot-button issue all over Twitter, and I think we have to mention it here on the show. I talked about how big this season was for West Ham United and David Moyes. You invest in the club. Well, part of the reason I think the club invested and did all this is also to show another player the the goals that West Ham United have and the ambition of this club, and that player is Declan Rice. And Declan Rice sitting in the World Cup, arguably the best CDM in the world, proving that every match that he plays and everybody's knowing it. I remember watching the game against the Americans and, you know, Stuart Holden constantly complimenting what Declan Rice is doing back there. He's like, oh, Declan again doing this because Declan Rice is the best CDM in the world. It's not a question anymore. It's a fact. And so I look at this and the ambition of the club does it match the ambition of, of Declan Rice? And I think it does. I think they, the ambitions do match. The problem is one person is capable and the other one is not. And West Ham United right now are not, while Declan is. Yeah. And if you're Declan Rice and you're constantly getting offered all these contracts from West Ham United, there's the, he's proving right now why he doesn't want to sign that. Yeah. Because if he signs that and he commits his future to this club, he wants it to mean something that he can be on a stage where he gets to prove what he is. He wants to be out there on the field against the likes of Barcelona, Real Madrid, Bishop Dortmund, Bayern Munich, Juventus. You know, like he wants to go play those clubs. We can't give that to him at this moment. No, and I don't think it's even in the cards in the immediate future. And it's interesting. uh, Mark Noble obviously has done a couple interviews since – uh, being announced as the upcoming sporting director. And even if you if you read between the lines, even in his interviews, where he speaks about when somebody when somebody asks him a question about Declan Rice, like, hey, how special is Declan Rice? And he's like, yeah, he's an amazing player. Like, he's an amazing person. Uh, you know, he's very goal-oriented. He's very passionate, but he's also fun-loving and and is a good person to have in the locker room. But when they, when they ask about basically his commitment in so many words, his commitment to West Ham United, you can kind of hear Mark Noble talk about that Declan has a lot of ambition and that Declan needs to go where he's going to be best utilized. So I think even Mark Noble, and I guarantee you if you ask David Moyes, they both recognize that West Ham is is a stopgap. This is not going to be Declan Rice's forever club. He's not going to stay with us forever. And I'll be honest, I don't want him to because I don't, and this this may sound short-sighted. I don't think that what we've seen from Declan Rice this season shows me that he makes everybody else around him better. He covers the gaps that other people have in their performance because he is so good. And this is not a, a dig against him. I think he's a great player. I don't particularly think he's a great captain. I think that his captaincy in the last season was benefited by having Mark Noble there. Mark Noble was a great captain. Kevin Nolan was a great captain. I don't feel the same way about Declan Rice, especially seeing the way that this team has performed this season. So as much as it's going to pain me to see Declan Rice go, because I understand the talent that we have on the pitch, the money, the monetary compensation that we'll get for him and the potential to bring in additional talent that can help bridge the gap between what we were and what we are hoping to be will be well worth the expense. I don't know if anybody could said that better than you. Thank you. Um, you, I'm going to be a hundred percent honest that that just made me feel pretty good. Like I, I don't want to lose Declan. I'm a selfish, I'm a selfish cunt and I don't want to lose him. Like, I don't want him to go. I don't give a fuck where he wants to go. I want to, he's your claret and blue, bro. Just remember when the other team cut you, who picked you up like that? That's, that's where I'm saying, we saw what you are. None of these other clubs did. When Chelsea let you go, who came after you? We did. And when did we come after you? We offered you a contract the next day. Yeah. Because we knew what you were. So part of me, you know, look, there's no loyalty in football anymore. We know no, that. There's no, none. No, no. But I want fucking a little. 
And I and the reason I want a little, and the one thing that I love is some of the pundits have, have made this very clear. And you know, Sky Sports uh, Darash uh, is one of I kind of can't say his name, but Darash yeah said something that I, I really liked. He goes, "Look, there are people are going to come in and try to buy Declan Rice. The club is in full control here. We can keep this player till 2025. Yeah, we have the full right to do that. And I hope West Ham do. And the reason I hope they keep him till 2025 is because he will be at his peak value at 2025. Yeah." You know, what is he, 23 right now? Yeah, I think so. He's yeah. 23. We sell him at 25 to wherever he wants to go. We're looking at a, a situation. I mean, a 25-year-old player, best in the world. He's going to sign a six, seven-year deal with wherever he goes. You know, we sell him at his peak, his peak price. Sell him in January where you can get, like, double the money. Right. You know, that that's that's just where I'm at because, no offense, nobody's bigger than the badge. No, and for so, sure. Yep. I just I, I just don't want to lose deck because I know it's it's kind of like it's kind of like letting your child move out of the house right we we watched him grow I remember when he made his debut under Slavin Bilic at Burnley in the last yeah. game of the year um, you know <laughs> he had the worst haircut in the world box head <laughs> to looking at him now to what he is you know he's going to be the England captain in the next World Cup possibly in oh, the Euros yeah. oh yeah and so it's it's just it's just frustrating to even have to think that because our club are performing bad, we're going to lose arguably our best player. And it, it, but it's it's tough, right? You and I have both been supporting this club long enough that we have seen top talent come and go throughout the years, and I, I love that. Nobody's bigger than the badge. I love that because that is such a eloquent way of putting it. Where look, Declan comes in, he does what needs to be done. We appreciate the time that he was here. But then we give we like we we send him on his way and say Godspeed, man. I hope whatever you do next is even bigger and better than what you did here, you know. Because I'm so tired of seeing these players that come in, these mercenaries that come in for like a tail end payday. Like, let me make his, uh, a shit ton of money before I, I I call it in, cash in my chips. And for Declan Rice, like you said, we have complete control. We're like the kid's gonna be like 25 years old, sell him at the peak. I mean, at that point in two years, it'll be the Euros, right? Sell them, sell them right after that. Or like you said, if you want really to cash in high, sell them in January. I, I'm i not a huge fan of selling top talent mid-season because you're going to need them to kind of help complete it out. But yeah, let them finish out the season, you know, by what would be 2026. You sell them out, it'll be, uh, or no, sorry, it'll be 2024 would be when you would sell them out. Right. Yeah, you sell him right before the 2025 season because he has one year left on his contract. Yeah. If you don't sell him before that season. Now, is that the one? Because we have a one-year club option. Is that the one-year club option? Yeah, but we'll obviously, we'd pick it up. Yeah. And then we would sell him. So it'd, it'd be one of those, like uh, the NBA does it here in America, called yeah. like a sign-and-trade. Yep, yep. So it'd kind of be a situation where we're going to pick up the option that the player can't do anything about. Right. And then we might have a handshake agreement with the player that we are going to shop and sell you, but I would make it very clear to the player that we don't have the intention to sell you domestically. Like, oh yeah, you yeah. know, like like look, we're gonna we're gonna sell you, but you're gonna go to Bayern Munich, you're gonna go to Real Madrid, yeah. you're gonna go to Juventus. But I feel like he's such a he's such a homer that he's gonna want to go to another Premier League and, team. And if and if he goes to a Premier League side, there's gonna be a tax, and yeah. it's gonna be a hefty yeah. one. Yeah. You know, um, I, that's what I would explain to Declan if I'm in that position. If I'm if I'm Mark Noble, I would kind of be, you know, I'd kind of just be very candid with him and be like, look, we have an offer on the table right now for 130 million euros for you to leave and go be part of the, the Los Blancos of Real Madrid. Go wear your white shirt. Go play at arguably the biggest club in the world um, and go. Yeah. And he's like, well, I want to go play for Manchester United. Well. We're not accepting anything less than two hundred million from Manu, <laughs> yep. and so that that's the situation you're in, Declan. Yeah. So um, we're in control. We want to do right by you, but we have to look out for our best, and we're not going to let you go to a club that we're going to have to see twice a year that ultimately can stop us from achieving our goals. Yeah. Well, you've twice a year just in Premier League games. That's not including the it's not the Carling Cup. What's it fucking called now? The Carabao. Carabao thank you. Yeah. Um, the FA Cup, you know what I mean? Like all these other domestic competitions. So yeah, you absolutely do. I mean, 
for me, I'm just, I'm reticent to sell him to another London club. If he goes to Manchester, he goes to Liverpool, I don't really give a shit, but I'm not selling him to Spurs. I'm sure as fuck not selling him to Arsenal. Uh, fuck it, let's sell him to Hearts. <laughs> Midlothian. <laughs> so, yeah, I think I think they're sell him to an Irish club. But fucking sell him to... to <laughs> oh, uh, my God, Ireland. Would, yeah, Shamrock uh, Rovers. I don't, know if Cork be, City. I don't know if he'd be allowed in Ireland. Yeah, no, he'd be stoned. Um, yeah, no, I I think that's a, it's a good it's a good way to look at it. And as I said, I think it's uh, it, it, it's cashing in on an asset that allows you to reinvest in the club and get you closer to where you need to be. And I know you're kind of on the Moyes out train, but if you were to see similar to similar performance to what we saw the last two seasons under Moyes, right, where we finished sixth and seventh respectively. If you see us have a turn and go back on, does it flips your does that flip your opinion on David Moyes, or do you yeah, still 100, say 100%? Because because that would mean in a three year period he had half of a season that was a bad stretch, right? Because last you season know? the back half was yeah. A bad I stretch. mean, so he had a bad stretch in there, but he f- corrected it, which would show me that's what a great manager does. Yep. And that I'm glad that you brought that up because that was my next question for you. Nice. So what is your hope for West Ham United the second second half and um, you can be as realistic as you want, or you can take a page out of my book and be highly unrealistic <laughs> for what you think. But what is your hope for West Ham United? What do you need to see? Let me rephrase the question like this. What do you need to see for you to reinvest your confidence in this club? For sure. Um, top half table finish. I mean, if we don't finish in European placement, I'm not going to be uh, setting fire to my scarves, right? Like, for me, I still look at it as there are peaks and valleys. You do not see every single team perform at the absolute best every single season. Manchester you sit in Manchester City may be the one caveat within the last couple of years. But look at Arsenal. Arsenal struggled for a couple of seasons, especially after letting go of... Um, oh, why am I blanking on the manager's name? The one they had for fucking ever. Unai Emery? No, not after... Uh, oh, after, you're, talking, Emery, you're talking... The, the pedophile with the candy in his pocket. Um, what is his name? God, he's a, it's crazy. Uh, Vanger. Vanger, there yeah. you go. Arsene Vanger. Yeah. So you think about like the, the the stretch of success they had under him, and then as they started to to fail, and then they shifted to Unai Emery uh, and still failed. It, it, it's, it's interesting, right? Because you have these clubs that sort of had peaks and valleys where Liverpool even, you know, um, what was it? It was like 20 some odd years without a premier league title. I mean, it's, it's, it's short sighted to think that you are going to have the same results season after season, because every club is investing and losing players and gaining players. It's always going to change. So I'm comfortable enough with Moyes body of Moyes body of work within the last several years underneath the, the stewardship of, of, or, or having stewardship of West Ham United, that I'm I'm comfortable with a top half finish as long as it is within the the top ten spots. That's success for me. For as a West Ham supporter, that's success for me. This is a building year. We had eight new signings. I understand it's going to take a little bit of time to acclimate these guys and get them to where you need them to be. In which case, just continue that investment. So in January, pick up maybe two more bodies, maybe three if we're if we're lucky. Summertime comes around unload whatever other dead weight you don't feel like uh, is continuously beneficial to the club, bring in young, hungry talent. You were just watching a World Cup where you saw absolutely the best world talent on display. Go out and get that talent. Um, I would be happy with that. I would be thrilled if we get European European placement again because I enjoy those European nights being able to watch us play uh, in all of these different countries. Uh, I mean, just even this last group stage playing Anderlecht was really cool. Like having that type of experience as a West Ham supporter is rare. Um, I'm, I would be happy with that. If, if it is a bottom half finish, I, I will probably, as long as it's not relegation, I'm not going to be Moyes out. I'll be honest with you. As long as we're not relegated, I'm not going to be Moyes out. Um, we could literally finish in 16th, 17th place and I'll still be like, yeah, that sucked, but he kept us up and, now we can move forward. Um, I feel like for you, you probably set a slightly higher standard than I do, though. Oh, yeah, especially with the investment of 180 million pounds into the club. 
I don't anything lower than sixth is a is a disappointing season. Yeah, he's going to have to right the ship. He's going to have to go on a tear. We're gonna have to beat Manchester City. We're gonna have to beat Manchester United. We're gonna have to have a result against Arsenal. We're gonna have to reclaim what was rightfully ours and beat Chelsea. Um, so now, real quick though, say we still don't get the results that we need out of those games, but we beat literally every other club. If we finish in sixth or higher then I back off my statements. But my, my thing is this. I don't want to be... Look, I've said this on multiple occurrences. What do I want? I want West Ham to win the Champions League. That's what I want. I don't care how unrealistic it sounds. I don't care how stupid it is. Fan is short for fanatic. Yeah. So I am fanatical in my support of West Ham United, and I want to see us be the greatest club in the world. How do you be the greatest club in the world? You win the Champions League. Okay. Would you take that over a Premier League, Premier League title? No. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> I'm not. With you. I'm with you there. I, I, mean, I want the Prem. Yeah, Champions, yeah. Premier League so, or Ch- Champions League sounds great, but Premier League will always be. Yeah, I totally. Yeah, yeah I totally okay. just buried my lead on that. But, yeah, you're good. Okay. Um, I I just West Ham have to start doing it because no offense to the lineup that Arsenal can put out there on the pitch. I think most Premier League supporters would say Arsenal are overachieving at this moment for the talent that they have. And that's a credit to their manager. That's a credit to the way the team is playing. And I give them that credit. They've earned that to be where they are, and they've put themselves in a position with even a loss to us, they're still going to remain top of the table. That's kudos to you. Great job. But you have got, without question, to get a result in that game. You have to re-energize the fan base. You have to re-energize the players. You have to prove to a player like Declan Rice that you know what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> yep. Like you have to, because I'm sure Declan's sitting there going, what the fuck are we doing? Okay? I I just think West Ham United, my hope for them is sixth or higher, and I want to see us beat the big boys. And I want I want this to be the conversation on Premier League mornings with Rebecca Lowe and Tim Howard, whoever the fuck they bring on with the two Robbies. And I want them to say this. My God, if some of these results early in the year would have gone West Ham's way, where would they be in the table? Yeah. That's what yeah. I want them to say. Because I want West Ham to knock off Manchester City late in the year, okay, at the Etihad, their fucking house. And we're sitting there, and they're like, Man, what a win. This you know, really puts a hurt for Manchester City's titles. But my God, what if West Ham would have picked up that win against Chelsea, would have done a couple other things and gone their way? West Ham United have nine more points right now. They're in second. Yeah. They would have just passed Manchester City. That's the conversations I want to see happening because that's what I think it's going to take for Moyes to get the fan base supporters to reinvest in what they think of him because the the fan base is split yeah you can see it it's on twitter there's some people like you saying let's give him time he's earned that time and i'm not saying you're wrong there's people like me it's like i I think you've done the most you can do yeah and it's time for for you to go it's time for you to move to side we need a manager with a pedigree that can go do it like my dream manager is diego simeone from atletico madrid that's the guy (laughs) i want you know, only Pablo Fernals can understand him. It'd be great. Yeah, I, I, well, I just I want that fire on the sideline, and sometimes I feel like Moyes just has a negative look. He sets up our teams negatively when we play the top six. You have a squad that can attack those teams. Go attack them. Yeah, you got Lucas Paqueta. How many players are better at his position than Lucas Paqueta in the world? Maybe two, oh, three. Dude, yeah, seriously. Maybe. I mean, and he, in the Premier League, maybe just one guy. Maybe yeah, two. Yeah. In his position, like I mean. Christian Erickson used to be the best at that position, and now Paqueta, I would say, is probably better than Erickson. Yeah. So it, it's just it's just frustrating um, for what we have, and that, that's what I expect of them. So obviously that leads us into our preview for this match. Um, West Ham on December 26th, the day after Christmas, Boxing Day, we head to the Eti, not the Etihad, the Emirates. Yeah. Excuse me. We head to the Emirates to go take on league-leading Arsenal. Um, sitting five points clear at the very top of the table and arguably the biggest surprise in Premier League, but they have not shown any signs of slowing down. It's going to be a tough match. There's no getting around it. Um, so for this match against Arsenal, with the Aguirre injury, with the Zuma injury, and with the Skamaka injury, who is your starting 11 for this match? 
I mean, I feel like it's going to be kind of a return to form to what we saw last season, right? You're 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 probably still going to play um, uh, Tilo Kara on the right hand side. Uh, you're going to do, or actually, no, you won't be able to. You're going to have to play Sufal on the right. You're going to have to play uh, Kara and Dawson in the middle. Interesting. Uh, obviously, Cressy on the right hand side. You'll have Declan and Suchek in the middle. Um, in your double pivot, I'm probably going to go uh, Benrama, Paqueta, Bowen, and then you've got Antonio up top, which I'll be honest with you, Skamaka, other than some really great goals in the lead up to like the group stages of Europa, hasn't really thrilled me. And I kind of feel like Antonio, when pu- Antonio, when push comes to shove, is going to be the muscle we need to to get break through that Arsenal back line. Uh, well, Arsenal's a finesse team, and if you put a player out there that's physical, that may make a difference. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's going to put them off kilter, which is which is ultimately what we're going to need. But, I mean, Karav has been accident-prone, so putting him back there as that center back, uh, it's, it's going to be difficult. What about you? Oh, man. That back line is the only difference I really have. I agree with everything else you said. I think Emerson will start, um, oh, okay. and, and I don't think Sufal will be on. You think and Johnson on the right hand side? I think I think Emerson will play. I may see a different formation. I'm not positive. I think Emerson's gonna play on the left over Cresswell. Um I think because I think Cresswell is is kind of done, and I think Emerson's been in the club long enough that I think he's gonna have a clear understanding of what Moyes wants of him, and I think he's a better player right now. And so I think I think Dawson clearly starts. I mean, what if you play a back five though, and you you do the back three, three center I mean, backs, it, Cresswell, Dawson, Kara, and then you've got Johnson and Emerson as wingbacks. I could totally see that formation it's playing. I don't think we'll see it. I think it'll be the back four. Yeah, and I think it'll be Emerson, Dawson, Kara, and on the right hand side, I think it'll be Ben Johnson. Yeah, I don't think it'll be Sufal. I, I Sufal is the better defender. Johnson's the better overall player. Yeah, um, and I think that Johnson is the future. And you've got the rumors of Sufal leaving in and January. And that, that's that's yeah. the other thing. I, I don't think you're going to see him. But everything else I said, I think that that is your my starting eleven. I think the only switch is I have Emerson in there. Okay. I think Emerson is gonna gonna get that spot. So with that said, obviously it's gonna be a tough match heading to the Emirates. So who is your goal scorer? Um, and what's the final uh final for this one? I'm gonna say we we draw it. It's gonna be a one-one draw with uh, Mickey Antonio uh, on the score seat. I think. It's going to be an ugly goal. It's going to be a scramble in the box, and I think he just he gets a foot on it. Um, but like all West Ham heartbreak, we're going to score early, and we're going to be holding on, holding on, holding on, and then Arsenal's going to get the equalizer late in the game, just in enough time to break our hearts. I have the final being one nil, late goal from Mickey and Antonio in the seventy <laughs> third minute. Nice. West Ham have to deal with a furious onslaught. Saka coming on because he didn't start because the World Cup. They bring him on late. He's going to have a few shots at it, but Lucas Fabianski is going to stonewall it. <laughs> we're going to we're going to get a one nil win. It won't be pretty. It'll be kind of ugly. It'll be the kind of win we need, and it'll be in spite of the shitty tactics of David Moyes. There you go. I and like that, that that's the way. That I see that going. So who's your man of the match? Oh, I'm just going Mickey all the way, man. He didn't make it to the World Cup because Jamaica didn't make it. And he's watching Harry Kane take that penalty and going, I could have scored that. And uh, <laughs> I, I think he's going to be a man on fire in this game. I think he absolutely dominates. Oh, it's it's Big Dick Dawes. <laughs> Big Dick Dawes is going to be my man of the match. He is going to have more clearances off the line. He's going to sacrifice his body. He's going to reinvest to the club, even though he wanted to leave because he's from the Midlands. We all understand that. And everybody's going to be reminded that the best, uh, what was it? 5 million pounds we ever paid. I think it was like 2.5. Excuse me. It was so, such a insignificant. 2.38 million pounds we ever paid were for big Dick Dawes. Double O Dawson. (laughs) I, I just, 
I, I, lo- I love the guy. He's so much fun. And if he has the year that I hope he has, I'll be buying a Dawes kit at the end of the year. Fuck yeah. Just to commemorate what that guy's been. I'm going to get that ugly orange and white one, and I'm going to put Dawson <laughs> on the back. Fuck yeah. I'm going to get double O Dawson on the uh, back. That's yeah. fucking awesome. All right. That brings it to everybody's favorite part of the show as we wrap up episode number. Is it? What did we say? We it's 11. 11? Yeah, 11. Yeah, God now. dang. Episode 11. So this is time for our yellow and red cards. I'll go ahead and start it off with my yellow card. Um, I'm going to give it to the country of Qatar. Okay. Um, And the reason why is you're having the World Cup. What the fuck were you thinking not allowing people to drink? Oh, my God. Like, Like, you don't have the right i mean you're fucking hosting the world cup yeah and i love what budweiser did because bud was one of the official sponsors of the world cup weren't allowed to sell their beer outside the stadium they had so like it was an ungodly amount of beer well all that beer is now currently being shipped to argentina yep because they said whatever club wins the club excuse me club whatever country wins all this free beer is for you. Yep. And so um, a little upsetting. I think a country like Qatar, when you have those type of rules and you're unwilling to bend them, um, you're going to get people like, you know, all the Instagram models that were showing up wearing, um, you know, crappy or not crappy, very skimpy clothing and yeah. stuff like that. Like, look, if your country can't handle that, you can't have the World Cup. Right. Like, Miss Croatia just- is not allowed to walk around the stands. Well, and it's and what's what's super upsetting about it too is that like the 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 box seats, the big expensive seats, you were allowed to drink there. It was just the general public couldn't drink, which is so dumb. Which was such a waste of money. Like we didn't do all of those episodes because we flew all the way over there, and then when we realized we couldn't drink whiskey and record podcasts, we fucking turned right around and flew yeah. back. Fuck waste of my fucking time, dude. Fuck that That's noise. why you guys didn't get any other episodes for the last several weeks. <laughs> These fuckers wouldn't let us drink whiskey, and that's like, I don't know, the bread and butter of this show. Some would say it's the only thing worth listening to on the show. Fucking hell yeah, man. <laughs> uh, so for me, for my yellow card, I actually gave it to our club for not fucking having stronger competition during this break. I mean, Cambridge United, they're like a League 2 team. And I mean, yeah, we beat them 4-2, but you still allowed them to score two goals. And if I memory serves me correctly, they scored the first goal. So we were down one nil and then they scored a late penalty. Why are you fucking fouling people in the box to give Cambridge United a late last gasp penalty? It's fucking bullshit. And then, I mean, like we said before, you didn't say like, it's not the same comp level of competition that you're going to get in the prem is what you get in the Italian league. And then fucking Fulham, Fulham again. Why do we keep squeaky bum wins and draws against teams like Fulham? It's fucking ridiculous. Ah, off my high horse. What about you, man? Red card. It's time for my red card, and I give it to, yes, I'm going back to this in hopes that it has good luck. (laughs) Fuck you, David Moyes. You're getting another red card from me. That's right. Tex of the Fresno Irons, co-host of the Bearded Bastards Radio here on American Hammers Network, which we know you fucking listen. Don't act like you don't, David Moyes. And you get my red card because I'm sick and tired of you having saying one thing and then we see something different. So fucking be truthful and say, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing and (laughs) tell us the truth because I'm sick and tired of the West Ham performances that we are seeing. The way that we went into this World Cup break and the way we lost that game, like it was just so shitty, especially to Crystal fucking Palace. Like it's just, it's time, dude. You you got to show what you are. The rubber's got to meet the road, okay? Dick's got to get inside the push. It's time to go, man. <laughs> got to get her pregnant. We got to get it going. Well, and it's it, it, it's it's difficult, right? Because you watch that and you just, you would have hoped for better, right? Like the losses that we had against Palace, the loss that we had against Leicester, like we these are teams that we should be beating on the regular. There should not be uh, losses. I mean, a draw, I still would have been upset for because these are teams that we should be beating. My red card is going to go to us. Uh, We fucking started out this season on fire, hitting week after week after week. And uh, then I got sick and then you got sick. And then uh, the world cup fucking happened. And then you're leaving for Texas. Yep. I'm leaving for Texas on Wednesday. Not permanent though. So I don't want people to like cry in their, in their West Ham. Actually, that would have been jumps of joy. Yeah. Right. They'd be like, he's fucking gone. Ding dong. The Texas dead. No, um, (laughs) 
No, he goes back every every holiday season to to visit his family. We're going to be able to do remote shows. I have remote equipment. I know. Well, the we had sa- to do that during fucking yeah. COVID. We were doing remote shows. Sound quality may not be as good, but we'll uh, we're we're going to get a show done. It tests it tests my uh, mixing and mastering skills, so I'll have to make sure that I can still make you sound as brilliant and present as uh, you do right now. By the way, just so everybody knows, I am looking at the man who just gave a red card to us that's wearing this. Just everybody listen. He has an ugly sweater Christmas for West Ham United, a brilliant scully cap on with the West Ham United logo on. He's got West Ham United slippers on, and I'm pretty sure he tattooed cross irons on the tip of his dick. Only his wife knows. I do do it uh, down my dick, so you have to see how many irons you can go. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and like that the debauchery has begun yes nice well you know i i like to try to end the episodes on a high note <laughs> <laughs> that's a t-shirt write it down yeah that's a t-shirt <laughs> well uh, i want to say thank you for listening to us sorry it's been a minute but uh we should get back onto a regular uh regular scheduled programming for you all of you there um, quick shout out. Oh, um, a oh, quick birthday. Yeah. Uh, for Brian Fagunas, a Fresno Irons member. I wishing you the happiest of birthdays, even though you do kind of smell like cabbage, but we just don't <laughs> want to tell you that in person. Um, but we do love you, Brian. I hope you had a great one. Um, hopefully see, uh, everybody soon. Um, we'll have to figure out what we're doing on the December 26th match. So, um, if you do find yourself in Fresno, make sure you check the Facebook, Instagram, page or twitter because we're not sure where the fuck we're going to be yet we're still trying to figure that part out um but it's been uh it's always been fun wishing you guys the by the time next time you hear from us christmas will have passed yes so we hope you guys have the merriest of christmas or happy holidays we don't want to offend anybody but merry christmas happy holidays hope santa comes light your menorah whatever the fuck it may be yes okay happy kwanzaa (laughs) <laughs> all right, cover them all. Cover all the bases. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're an equal opportunity podcast here. That's right. We offend um, everybody equally. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, thank you for listening. And uh, Liam, I won't see you, but I'll probably talk to you. But I'll just, just so everybody knows, I'm going to total douchebag. Merry Christmas to yeah, you and your family. Yeah, happy Christmas, brother. Happy Christmas. And I uh, want to say thank you for listening. Also, thank you to Tim and Lee for the opportunity to do this show on the American Hammers Network. Um, and just remember, if you ever find yourself in Fresno, and you want to come hang out with us, we'd love to hang out with you. However, we do do it naked. So take that into consideration <laughs> when you do. Um, man, God, man, it's been good to get back into the studio. Good to back get this show done. Um, want to say thank you to everybody. God, I just, I don't want it to end. Can you tell? I know, I right? I, how long can we drag end. this off? Why don't well, we pour it here? Pour us a, another one. Pour us another one. Pour us another a, one. It's called a Southern Goodbye. Ah, yeah, there it's you go. called Southern Goodbye. All right. One more for the road. Yeah, Yeah, one for the road. All right. So, for Liam, this is Tex. And as always, come come on, on you irons. irons.